You're listening to Tazi Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you right across um, Australia from Tasmania and each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about the past, current and future events, learn how to study the Bible more effectively, get to know who God is, why we are here and where we are going and experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host Tabitha Zachariah and today we have Daniel Mateo um, in the studio with us. Uh, welcome, Daniel. How are you today? Yeah, well, thank you, Tabitha. Yeah, nice to be here today on a Friday. Good to have you here. Um, and as you, as we all know, on Fridays we normally um, run this series called um, Connecting the Dots, and we've been having different uh, presenters coming in, and I'm um, sharing um, some of their personal experiences, and it is all about um, sharing um, testimonies. I can say uh, how you've had. To put your faith into practice, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be that, but um, it's more of like um, just um, different Christian journeys that you've undertaken and you just feel like um, you like to share with other listeners, which we really appreciate. Um, we thank the various presenters who've shared their stories so far. And um, today, Daniel will be talking about... Um, Saints of the Covenant. Oh. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. You know that you and I normally have a chat on Wednesday mornings, don't we? We have a program together. So this is nice to be here on a different day. And yeah, that's what we're chatting about today, Signs of the Covenant. And uh, I'm excited about it. Yeah, really looking forward to it, that's for sure. Mm, and we appreciate having you here. We're just grateful that you were able to um, take on and um, share what you've prepared for us today. And uh, this is just serious stuff, Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to talk about serious things today. And um, yeah, just to remind our listeners, you can catch up on the previous episodes. If you've um, missed any of the episodes under Connecting the Dots, um, you can catch up through the Faith FM app or the Faith FM website. And our show number is um, 0488-880-891. Uh, feel free to text us any questions, any comments. Um, any feedback and um, respond to our on-air questions and also request our free book offers. Um, did you want uh, to pray before we start? Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, Would you be able to do that for us, please? Sure. Um, Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you that um, Daniel is in the studio and is able to share your word with us. And whatever he's going to talk about, I pray that you may um, bless him and uh, may the Holy Spirit work through him, that whatever he shares will be of benefit to us. And as listeners, may we pay attention to what he's saying and may we benefit from it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Yeah, well, what a, what a beautiful opportunity to discuss what is actually a really serious subject and what is, to me, you know, you talked about how uh, these programs are about sharing something that's been really critical for your faith journey. Me, for me, understanding this subject has been deeper and more powerful, I suppose, than just about any other little piece of um, uh, truth from the scripture that I've, that I've ever um, come to understand. Once I began to understand this, I began to see the beauty and the love of God in a, in a new way, and I hope I'm able to share that today. Yeah, mm. that's for sure. We look forward to hearing what you have to share. So I'm going to ask you the question we have for our listeners. Um, what is the most important or serious agreement that you've ever entered into? Um, have you ever taken a vow for any reason? Mm. Yeah, well, for me, definitely. I mean, um, 
uh, there's been several vows and, and covenants that I've entered, in, entered into throughout my life. I mean, straight off the top of my head, I'm thinking about my mortgage, you know, that uh, I've, I borrowed a lot of money from a, from a bank in order to buy a home. And, you know, you sign on the dotted line and say that you're going to pay that off. That's an agreement. That's a covenant of sorts. Uh, probably more significantly than that, I, uh, I once stood uh, before... Uh, the God and before the people I love and I made a vow to a woman mm. uh, that I would love her until I died and uh, so the day of my wedding you know was a very important covenant mm. uh, for me a very important agreement very important vow my wife and I wrote our vows ourselves mm. and uh, and I said to her I am going to uh, to be with you I'm going to be faithful to you I'm going to love you uh, until I die or until Jesus comes you know and uh, that for me that I really meant it and it's very important and you know she said similar things back to me and then we began our lives together mm-hmm. you know so that was serious but even more than that I think even more seriously than that um, there was a moment uh, when I stood assembled before the people of God mm-hmm. and uh, before I went down um, into the waters of, uh, of baptism and uh, my pastor baptized me as a believer in Christ uh, you know he asked me the question you know do you want to um, do you want to enter into a relationship with Jesus? Do you want to be baptized, you know, as a sign that you want to belong to Jesus? And I said, yes, I do. You know, I vowed hmm. uh, that I was going to, uh, to to walk with him throughout the course of my life, and I take that very seriously as well. Yeah, yeah. how about yourself? Very serious agreements. I'm just thinking that the older, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm thinking the older you grow, <laughs> the more covenants you sign I mean that's not the case and you're young you're still young but then you know you're at that stage where you you're already married and then you've got your house you know you've signed few more um covenants but um for me like I the most serious I can say is um when I got baptized um I took a vow to you know when you say the fundamental beliefs you recite them and then um the pastor prays for you and then you get baptized so when I made that vow that was very serious for me. And I remember a few days after that, it was in 2006, because I remember I was in grade eight when I got baptized. Um, and like a few days after that, I was like, I, I was taking my life so serious. I was very careful what I was doing. And like, I was, I don't know, it was a bit um, like... It was like weighing sort of on me because I did not understand the best way or how to have a proper relationship with God. You know, I thought, oh, fear God. You know, I was just like, I have to make sure I do the right thing and all that. And I know the Bible says um, we are not justified because of our sins. It's because of grace, because it's really hard as human beings to be um, sinless. But because of God, um, because um Jesus sacrificed his life for us and he intermediates in, um, uh, between us and God, you know, um, just that is something that it just makes a big difference. And um, yeah, so I did, you know, at some point I did backslide, but then I found my way back. And um, the more I get to know God, the more I get to uh, enjoy this commitment, you know. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And isn't it interesting too, and it's got to do with what we're talking about today, that often we will take a covenant or a vow very, very seriously indeed, but then as time goes on and we begin to take that relationship for granted uh, and and we begin to forget and I guess different circumstances pop up out in our lives, we become more uh, more prone mm. uh, to making exceptions for ourselves or justifying our behavior mm. and of breaking that covenant. Mm. 
Mm. And uh, and we see that all the time, I suppose, in, in marriage, don't we? I mean, people mm-hmm. are very, very serious on their wedding day. Nobody ever um, stands before God and, and the people they love and say, well, I'm going to you know, run off with the mailman or whatever, you know, <laughs> they don't, they don't vow that. They're serious about their, mm. about their vows. Uh, but then as time goes on and, and we get used to things, we tend to forget. Yeah. And, uh, and as a result, when we make agreements, when we make covenants, we want to have a sign mm. uh, of that covenant. And for, we're talking about marriage, we're talking about weddings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wear rings in the, in our culture. I mean, um, well, what, what's, uh, yeah. Are you wearing a ring? Well, yeah, that's interesting. There's a, there's a story behind that. Actually, I'm not wearing my ring. It's okay. And, uh, but uh, I have it, and I know exactly where it is. Yeah. And there's definitely one around my heart. You're right. You got me. That's funny. Um, yeah, there's a story behind that. My, uh, I, I weighed a fair bit more actually when I got married, and yeah. uh, and but I I wanted a titanium ring which can't be resized, mm. and so as a result, you know, I've, I've lost a little bit of weight since since I was married. And if I have it down by my side, it slips off my hand. So. Oh, no. I've stopped. <laughs> I've stopped wearing it, but yeah. uh, it's you know it, I still have it. You know, and uh, it, it's a sign. It's a sign of this covenant that I've made. And and what what a wedding ring serves to do is to remind us of that vow. It serves to remind us of that covenant. And even other people as well. Like you know, when someone is wearing a wedding ring, you just keep off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's right. It's a sign to other people as well that you um, not you don't belong to somebody else, but that um, but that it's a sign to the people around you that you've entered into a covenant. That's for sure. Mm. And and that it becomes mean, meaningful for uh, for the other person too. It becomes meaningful for the other party in the covenant when you're wearing that sign. Mm. You know, and and when my wife and I, even though I don't regularly, you got me. I don't regularly wear my wedding ring I'm sorry in about the course that. of life. <laughs> Uh, but when we, you know, go out for dinner uh, or, you know, go out for our anniversary or we do something special just together, I know that it's it's meaningful for her that I'll, I'll put that on and take special care that I don't lose it, that's for sure, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so it's meaningful. We like to see that. And as I come to this idea, you know, some people have a funny idea about the word covenant. They think it's connected to some sort of, you know, cultish behavior. There's been different horror movies and cult movies that have been made with the word covenant in the title. That's really what, not what it's talking about. It's talking about an agreement between two parties. And it was a very, very important idea in the ancient world. Extremely important because it was a subsistence culture. Because it was so difficult for people just to survive, they had to enter into negotiated agreements with other people uh, in order to ensure their own security and survival. And uh, I'll talk about more more about that after our first song, hey? Yeah, sure. And I'll just to quickly mention, I think there's some people who like get married, but they don't wear rings. They just don't believe in that. And... Yeah, I, I will not say anything about that. Yeah, that's um, okay. That's fine. I'm, I'm just using it as an example. There's no judgment of whether yeah. or not we wear them or don't wear them. Obviously, yeah. I don't wear mine, so I can't judge, right? Yeah, sure. Mm. Um, our first song is Rain, Rainbow Promise by Gavin Chantlier. Watch the raindrops on my window And saw the blue skies break through the dark clouds Beheld the colors of the rainbow And I know your hand is there 
And I know that you are here Even when dark clouds come my way You've done more than paint a rainbow You proved your love like no one ever could There've been times when I have failed you I know this never had to be I let the dark clouds blot out my rainbow And let my blue skies turn to grey And I know that you are here Even when dark clouds come my way You've done more than paint a rainbow You proved your love like no one ever could That was Rainbow Promise by Gavin Chatelier. And you're listening to Taz Encounters with um, Daniel Mateo. And Daniel is talking about signs of the covenant. I have a question for listeners. Um, let us know, what is the most important and serious agreement that you've ever entered into? Um, or have you ever taken a vow for any reason? Text us on zero four And we also have a free book offer. It's called In the Light of God's Love by Ty Gibson. Uh, I'll give you some more information later on. 
Um, so, Daniel, in the previous section, you introduced us into um, today's sharing, and you mentioned some of the examples of um, covenants, including uh, baptism and marriage, and um, the signs uh, that um, are made out of those covenants, like uh, exchanging of rings um, in the instance of marriage. Um, do you want to get right into um, today's message? Mm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'd just like to say that the concept of, of a covenant or a negotiated relationship uh, between two parties was really, really important in the ancient world. We, we, it's hard for us to figure out exactly how important it was living today because we, can, we, we often feel like we can pretty much make it on our own. Mm. You know, uh, we, we want to be strong, we want to be independent uh, and all of that, and we don't see directly our need for other people around us mm. uh, because there's a lot of... There's government support, there's hospitals, there's all of those sorts of things. Now, if we imagine a world where none of that exists, where there is no social security, uh, there is no police force, uh, there is no hospitals, there's, you know, there's, there's doctors, but they're very expensive and also very rarely are able to actually cure you of any, anything because there's not much, you know, not very much science. Mm. There's no social fabric in the way that we understand it. In order to survive, you can't do it on your own, Yeah, you know. Um, you might be able to grow some food in your garden, mm-hmm. but uh, it won't be enough for you to eat and live on just on your mm-hmm. own. You need to band together with your family, with your community, um, with uh, you know, and with other individuals as well, other people. Mm-hmm. And you have to you have to find a way in order to live with any kind of security. You have to know that that, that the people that you're in that relationship with aren't going to walk away. They aren't going to do something unpredictable. That they're not going to. Uh, decide that they don't want to be with you anymore. So that's where things like marriage became very important, but not just that, other types of covenants. Other types of relationships were sealed and were vowed before the gods or before God, depending on uh, what uh, what religion you were or from what place you were, um, in order to, so, so that uh, people could just have some security in the rhythm of life. Mm. For example, if I grow... Uh, if I grow wheat and you grow grapes, we might enter into a covenant together that, well, every year I'll give you some of my wheat and mm. you give me some of your grapes. And that yeah. way we'll both have both bread and, and wine, you yeah. know, um, and uh, and we can have a more complete diet. You know, I can't do it by myself. And mm. I want to know um, over the long term that, that I've, I've got somebody that's going to be a buyer and it's going to exchange with me. And And it's also in the case of security, you know, if you've got a field and you want to know that uh, bandits are, or, a, or a home or you've got, you've got some sort of possessions and you want to be sure that bandits aren't going to come and steal what you have or steal your animals, uh, you want to enter into uh, a covenant with somebody that has some soldiers mm-hmm. that can offer you some protection. Mm-hmm. And so often there would be covenants that, you, that people would enter into with their king. And the idea is we'll provide some young men for your army and we'll provide some taxes from our uh, fields and you provide us protection and security mm. um, so that we can, we can live our lives without people coming in and burning, uh, burning and killing us, you know. And, uh, and people would enter into a covenant in that way. So an ancient Near Eastern covenant is a free will, mutually beneficial contract, formalizes that relationship and always appeals to a higher power to en- ensure that those terms are kept. And usually it's solemnized with some sort of ritual offering or sign. There's some sign to show uh, that this has happened and um, causes us to remember. Maybe we might put up some sort of a memorial to say this is where this covenant happened and this is to remind our children and our grandchildren. And we see different things like that happening throughout the Bible. 
Usually, um, this could happen between a stronger party and a weaker party. So this is called a suzerain and a vassal. And this often happened if, for example, a soldier was going to enter in a covenant with his king. Uh, the, the, the suzerain was the king and the vassal was the, was the soldier. Mm-hmm. But what it really requires, in order to have a, a covenant with somebody that's in a stronger posi- position of power than you are, that you need their help and they need your help, but they, don't, they can live without it. You can't live without their help. Mm. That's when you have the suzerain-vassal relationship. Mm. And what you need is you need grace by the stronger party, mm-hmm. you need faith by the weaker party, mm. and you need obedience to the terms by both parties. Right. And so we, we think about that in Christianity. Think, oh, by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. Or any man should boast. But we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And we find that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. The whole of Scripture purports to be the record of a covenant between a people and a God. Mm. This idea of covenant in the Old Testament is so important. The people of God, Jews today, still the the idea of the covenant, that that the God of Scripture is the kind of God that wants to enter into a close, loving, uh, mutually beneficial relationship with his people, not because he needs us, but because he wants us. Now, we need him, right? Mm. And uh, but uh, but he doesn't need us, but he wants us, mm. and uh, and so we we enter into a relationship, and he's going to set up signs all the way through the Bible that are going to be a, a sign or a remembrance or a physical symbol that's going to cause us to uh, to understand and to remember this covenant. Let's have a look at the first one, shall we? The first one we find the first sign in the covenant of the covenant between God and people we find in the Bible is actually trees. Now, would you like to read Hosea chapter 6, verse 7 for me, please? Right, yeah. Uh, but like men, they transgressed the covenant. There they dealt tre- treacherously with me. Hmm. Awesome. So there's a, there is a reference there back uh, to the time when God uh, spoke to, uh, to Adam and, um, and gave these, uh, these two trees. Uh, that was a symbol of, uh, of the, the fact that Adam may or may not uh, have wanted to enter into a relationship with him, that he could have uh, turned his back. Adam, if he wanted to, could have turned his back on God at any given time in Eden. And in, in fact, we find that as the story progresses in Genesis 3 that that's exactly what he does. Mm-hmm. But what God does is that here's a tree. If you want to vote for me and if you want me to be uh, the Lord of your life, just continue to eat from this one, but don't eat from this one over here. But if you don't want me in charge and if you don't want to be in a relationship with me, you know, that is, uh, that's the tree that, um, that, uh, that destroys our relationship. But I'm asking you not to eat from that one, you know. Mm-hmm. And so the treacherousness that comes in by the enemy and, uh, and, causes, uh, and causes Adam and Eve uh, to break their, their covenant and their relationship with God, you know, solemnized there, right there in Eden, is the first sign that we, that we find. Well, well, we'll move on to the next one, and mm-hmm. we get over to uh, Genesis chapter 9. Mm-hmm. And uh, can, we've got a really, really interesting story there. Mm-hmm. And what we find, well, everybody's heard of Noah and the ark, okay? So uh, so God tells Noah, I'm going to send a flood. And uh, and Noah begins to preach and tell people, I'm, I'm building this ark, and you've got to get on the ark because there's going to be a flood. Everyone laughs at him. In the end, he gets on there with um, uh, with the animals and... Uh, with his family, who are preserved and protected. The flood comes. Noah and his family are preserved through it. And afterwards, they get off the ark, and God says, I promise I'm never, ever going to send a, f- a flood like this ever again. There might be floods, but not like this. Not, not, um, I'm not going to destroy life, holus bolus, in this sense. It's not going to happen. Mm. And what's going to be the sign of this covenant? 
Do you, know, do you remember what the sign of the covenant was in that situation? Rainbow? That's what it was. He yeah. said, I'm going to put my <laughs> bow in the clouds. And this is going to be, every time you see it, you'll be able to remember that I've made a covenant. Hmm. Now, why is it that God, now, it, yeah, we call it a rainbow now. But, uh, but the original text says, God says, I will put my bow in the clouds. Mm. And that Noah, that seems to settle it for Noah. Noah's like, well, great, you know, God's put his bow in the clouds. That's it. I don't have to worry about it anymore. And he sort of walks away from that situation very confident in that. And I always found it very strange. Why is it that Noah would, why is it that Noah would think, that that was, that was an acceptable outcome to this situation. He's just watched, you know, everything that he knows being wiped out. And then God says, well, I've put a rainbow up there. Okay, I don't have to worry about that anymore, you know. That's fine. Like, doesn't that seem strange? It does. I'm just thinking maybe because he had an agreement. Um, Noah had an agreement with, uh, or God had an agreement with Noah from the start. He asked Noah to make an ark, to build mm-hmm. the ark. And um, he said, just let anyone who wants to come, let them come in. And everyone who actually obeyed was saved. And Noah witnessed that. He was like, you know, this is what God had said, and this is what exactly happened. So it's, it was a matter of um, faith and just actually what he had observed. I, I agree. I think that's true also. And, uh, and also I got a little bit of um, insight into exactly what was happening here when I began to study uh, ancient Near Eastern uh, reliefs, particularly around the Assyrian area. Yeah. And it was amazing to me that there's so many depictions of different kings entering into covenants uh, with their vassals. So suzerains entering into co- uh, covenants with vassals on some of these reliefs. And when a king enters into a covenant with a soldier, with, uh, with a weaker party, he's always holding a bow. Funnily enough, uh, always that bow is pointed back at him. So it's, he's holding it backwards. And, um, and you might think, well, why on earth would that be? Hmm. Well, the king is making a vow before the gods, and he's saying, if I break the terms of this covenant, may the arrow of this bow strike me. Hmm. And so he is sealing with a divine oath the terms of the covenant. Hmm. And so the sign is the bow for the king. Well, when we look up, when God says, I'm going to put my bow in the clouds, we think, what direction is that bow pointing? It's upward, yeah. It's pointing back towards him, right? Yeah. <laughs> so God is saying, if I, you know, if I break the terms of this covenant, let the bow of my arrow strike me. God is actually taking responsibility here, and he's, uh, he's uh, call, even calling a curse upon himself. Now, you know, he's God. He doesn't owe us anything. He, you know, he, we're not entitled to anything before God, any sort of insurance, uh, assurance from him. You know, he keeps our hearts beating in our chest. We owe our lives to him. He sustains us. And yet he makes a vow and stakes his own life on it. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Well, oh. Yes. <laughs> I've just um, yeah, learned that today. And that's yeah, just amazing. Um, our next song is um, Standing on the Promises by Sela. But just before that, I'd like to remind our listeners to text in um, if they've ever entered into a serious agreement or covenant. Or if you've ever made a vow, text us. Send, let us know on 0488-880891. Standing on the Promises by Sela.
made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. That was Standing on the Promises by Sailor and you're listening to Taz Encounters with um, Daniel Mateo and Daniel is talking about signs of the covenant. Um, Daniel, in the previous section you mentioned about this covenant. I can't really remember the name because it's, it's new to me, but it's between a strong and weak party mm-hmm. and you mentioned about there being um, grace, obedience and faith. Grace from the Stronger party, um, faith from the weaker party, and obedience from both parties for their covenant to actually hold. Mm. And you also m- mentioned about um, the bow, the covenant that God made with Noah. Um, the rainbow, like it was previously known as the bow um, sign, and it's pointing upward, it's pointing towards God. And that's something that I've just learned today. It's like um, God is saying, if I break this covenant, May I feel the consequences or may I face the consequences? And um, yeah, that's just very interesting to know. Um, What do you have for us in this section? Yeah, no, it's a wonderful truth, isn't it? And Mm. one of the important things that happened in in the ancient Near East whenever there was a covenant made between two parties was, as I said to you, there was often often an appeal to the gods. There was often an appeal to God uh, in the case of the Hebrew culture, uh, which was monotheistic. But uh, for the rest of cultures, there was, and because of that, there was a sacrifice made, uh, always. 
And this uh, sacrifice had different functions based on what you believed about God. For um, polytheistic religions, uh, they, uh, they obviously believed that that sacrifice was to appease the gods and to invoke them mm-hmm. uh, into uh, ratifying this covenant. Uh, but for the, uh, for the Hebrew uh, people, the idea was to make atonement or atonement uh, for the people involved. And so sacrifice in, uh, for, in the biblical religion involved um, paying for sin. It involved um, an, an animal dying um, so, that, uh, so that if there was a mistake made or a sin committed, that uh, that, that, uh, that that animal would bear the, the consequences of the sin. And we might think, oh, well, that's a pretty barbaric practice. But in actual fact, it, it wasn't so bad. The, the meat was used as, um, as part of the wages for the priests in that system. Mm. So, you know, it's kind of like... You know, when you go to McDonald's, or uh, you know, if you uh, if if you're somebody that uh, that eats animals in some form, you know that was the pay that they used for their uh, religious caste was from the sacrifices. But it also had a teaching function, and the teaching function was that sin is serious, and um, and something something dies when we when we make a mistake. So this um, this atonement would happen where um, at atonement the word atonement means at one where there's uh, God and and people's relationship is broken but because of um, uh, this death that uh, that uh, happens in exchange for the sin then the relationship the love relationship with God is healed and uh, God and humanity are brought at one so making atonement is very very important and there's a prophecy that Moses makes actually in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 43 would you like to read it for me please sure I'm reading from the New King James Version Um, rejoice O Gentiles with his people for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries he will provide atonement for his land and his people Beautiful. So this is a prophecy about God, okay? And uh, and God says that uh, you know he, that there's going to be come a time when the Gentiles or all of the nations can rejoice with his na- his people. Why? Because God is going to make atonement. He's going to make atonement. Normally, the priest or whoever, whatever religious leader was there was the one that made the atonement by making the sacrifice. But there's a prediction that Moses makes: one day, God Himself is going to make atonement for the land and for the people. Why? How is He going to do that? How could God uh, be the one that was the sacrifice? Well, we see it in the um, in a really interesting covenant with Abraham. Now, Abraham is a character in the Bible uh, that is so important for understanding this idea of covenant. There's so many times that God speaks to Abraham. He promises, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless all nations through you. You can look up at the stars and count them, and this Mm. is going to be the amount of your descendants. But there's this one story, a really important story about the covenant that hardly anybody uh, knows. And uh, as I've sort of traveled around and preached and told stories, people are always surprised. And I think it's because we don't really understand it. And that is what happens is when God makes these wonderful promises to Abraham. This is in Genesis 15. Um, you read the story from verse 1 to 21. Is that, Gen- that Abraham immediately goes and he takes a bunch of animals and he cuts them in half and he mm. lays them out on the ground. You've read this before? I just, No, I read it when I was preparing for the program. And yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah, mm. bizarre, right? Mm. And then he, he sort of stands around for a while and, uh, and then some birds come and try to eat the animals. So he has to shoot them away. And then all of a sudden... He said, he, "Well, the, the author describes something like a flaming fire pot begins to pass between the two halves of the animals." Mm. 
what on earth is going on? Mm. That's such a strange story. You can see why we don't tell it today because it's just we've got no context for it. It just seems like such a bizarre thing to do. Mm. Why, if God wants to enter in a relationship with me, would I suddenly start cutting up animals? And what's going on with this flame passing between the two? So strange. Well, the wonderful thing about it is it offer, that understanding ancient Near Eastern um, covenants helps us to understand the story. And that is that when a vassal, when a weaker party was entering into a covenant with a suzerain, a stronger party, that they would cut an animal in half and they'd walk between the two halves. And that, and that would be a way of saying, just like uh, when, the, when the vassal was holding the bow, as he walked between the two halves, he's saying, if I break the terms of this covenant, may I become like these animals. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So it was a natural thing for Abraham to do. The difference is, mm-hmm. in this situation, fire is a symbol of God's presence. You know, in Exodus, when the uh, when the fire appears in the burning bush, that was a symbol of God's presence. When the fire led uh, the children of Israel through the desert, that was a symbol of God's presence. In at the feast of Pentecost, when the little when the fire came and rested on everyone, that was a symbol of God's presence. God Himself walks through mm-hmm. the the um, the sacrifice through the center of the uh, of the sacrifice and says symbolically, "If you break the terms of this covenant." Mm. I will take the consequences. Mm. I will become like these animals. And that takes us all the way to the cross. The promise that Moses made that one day God himself would make atonement for the land and for the people. Mm. That there's a promise here uh, that God says, if you break the terms of the covenant, if you disobey, if you sin, I'm the one that's going to take it onto myself. Wow. And he's the one who created us. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's really beautiful. Mm. And uh, and it tells us something about who he is. It tells us that the gospel was always there. Sometimes when we read the Old Testament, uh, we, see, we read stories that seem so strange to us in our modern col- context and modern culture. And we tend to write them off. We say, oh, this is a picture of a strange God or an angry God. And uh, I don't, you know, a lot of people say to me, I don't like the God of the Old Testament. Sometimes all it takes is a little bit of study of context because God really does speak to us in a language that we understand. He, mm. he wants to speak to us in a culture, that, in, the, in our culture, in mm. our understanding. And he steps down in order to communicate with us in that way. And Abraham understood exactly what was going on. And when we study his culture, that gives us more understanding of how he wants to interact with us, mm. you know. Yeah, very powerful. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So as uh, as we move on, uh, we're going to uh, to move on to maybe one of the most important symbols of the uh, or signs of the covenant for at least for Jews, mm-hmm. and uh, and that is the cov- the the sign of circumcision. Now, this is a little bit of a of an interesting one to talk about, isn't it? But I'm just assuming that our listeners are adult and uh, understand what I'm talking about when I say that. Mm. But this was a sign uh, all the way back to uh, to Abraham's original agreement with God's people. Uh, sorry, uh, Abraham's original agreement with God uh, that there was going to be a physical symbol in his body that represented uh, the casting away of the unclean. Now, uh, I believe that this particular symbol had a hygienic function in the ancient world as well, you know. Mm. Um, people that are living in the desert that don't have much access to water, there's all sorts of hygienic problems that can arise um, when people don't understand about proper washing and so forth. And I think that uh, there's a hygienic function there for those people that probably isn't necessary today in our culture. But it was important for them. And still today, Jewish people, it's very, very important uh, that they have this symbol of of the cutting away of something that's then cast away. Mm-hmm. And for us, as uh, when we read the New Testament, you know, 
Um, Paul says, He is not a Jew who's one outwardly, he's a Jew who's one inwardly, and true circumcision is circumcision of the heart. Mm. Uh, we come before God and uh, he's going to cut away our old life. He's going to cut away our old practices. He said, uh, Paul says and elsewhere in Second Corinthians, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new mm. has come. Mm. Uh, that, uh, that there's this idea of I'm going to lay aside that which is uh, unclean, uh, that which is fleshly, that which is dirty, and I'm going to start to live in newness of life with him. Yeah. Mm. Indeed. Um, let us know what is the most... Um, important or most serious agreement that you've entered into or have you ever taken any vow? Um, let us know on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. And our free book offer is In the Light of God's Love, that is by Ty Gibson. Um, in the first chapter of this book, you'll encounter the cross of Jesus with self-forgetful understanding. I'm riding on the beautiful wave of Calvary's love. Each chapter um, that follows will apply the healing power of that love at the practical level of your daily Christian experience, um, personal salvation, Obedience and temptation, failure and relationships all are pondered with fresh insights under the illuminating light of divine love. You won't want to put this book down once you pick it up. <laughs> um, we'll give you the code um, to claim this book after the break. Written down in stone by Nathan Young coming up. is just and the law is right and it's written by God in stone the law is love and the law is life and it's written by God in stone I will follow his commandments I'll abide in For his law is my delight It's written down in stone Oh, it's written down in stone The law is holy, the law is pure And it's written by God in stone Faithful forever sure And it's written by God in stone I will follow His commandments I'll abide in Him alone For His law is my delight It's written down Oh, it's written down The law brought fire And the law brought flood It brought down judgment From a home Set 
That was written down in stone by Nathaniel Young. And you're listening to Thousand Counters with uh, Daniel Mateo. And Daniel has been talking about signs of the covenant. And uh, Daniel has shared some um, of the covenant in the Old Testament um, that were made between um, Abraham and um, the peop- um, and God, especially, and also the Jews. Um, before the break, I promise to give you the code to claim our free book offer, which is called In the Light of God's Love by Ty Gibson. Um, the code is CONNECT9. Um, text CONNECT and number 9. Don't put any space in between. Um, text that to 0488-880891 and I will be able to send that book to you. Um, so, Daniel, we are in the last section of today's program. Um, do you have... Any more to say on uh, some of the covenants before we finish off? Well, honestly, I could talk about this subject all day long, but I've just got two more signs left, okay? And (laughs) and so the the first one of those two is one that's very, very important. Uh, In fact, um, this uh, this is the sign that defines the terms of the covenant in the Bible, right? The terms of um, specifically how we're supposed to behave. And that's the Ten Commandments Mm. uh, that we find in Exodus chapter 20. You know, that this... uh, uh, that this uh, law, you know, these ten commandments, they de- they define how it is that God wants us to behave in covenant relationship with Him. Mm, written uh, down in stone. You got it. That's uh, <laughs> that's right. And uh, as a sign that <clears throat> they're never to be broken. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there's actually a lot of research uh, that's uh, pointed to the fact that that the ten commandments actually follow the same format as a written suzerain, suzerain vassal treaty, mm. uh, so as a written covenant in Assyria in the ancient Near East. Uh, that, this, uh, that there's all these different things that are, that are in common with, the, with that piece of, those sorts of pieces of literature. In fact, you can, you can Google um, you know, Assyrian covenant or Ezahaddon's covenant or um, Ashurbanipal or um, Asherizapal or one of those guys. And for sure on, on Google, I, I would say you'd be able to see a photo uh, of a of, of a covenant, and they are written on tables as well, but they're on tables of clay. 
Mm. Whereas this is written on table of stone, and that's got symbolic meaning that it's never to to pass mm-hmm. away. Mm. Um, actually, it's it's quite interesting that. If you have a look at, at some of these covenants, always about a third of the way down, they're always um, on, a t- on a sort of a rectangular table, mm-hmm. um, looks like a almost like an A4 sheet. About a third of the way down the of that um, of that tablet is always a seal, and so the the king or the whoever it is that was the suzerain would have a little um, cylinder that had his name and his kingdom and some pictures of him on it and and the, some names of the gods, and he would roll uh, that seal across the, the clay and that would impress uh, you know his basically his kingdom his authority and the gods that were ratifying his authority and ratifying this covenant and you would see these little pictures mm. um, in the, on the actual covenant itself and so the Ten Commandments also have a seal mm. of, um, of God's authority and, uh, and of his kingdom and of who he is and that's the Sabbath commandments at about it's about a third of the way down uh, it's the fourth commandment, but it's about a third of the way down the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. and that uh, that has all of that information in there. But what's really good is uh, is right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I told you that in order for a, a, an ancient covenant to work, uh, that you needed grace from the stronger party, faith from the weaker party, and obedience from both. And right at the beginning of this covenant, in verse 1 and 2 of Exodus 20, mm-hmm. it says, God spoke all these words, saying, I'm the Lord your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then goes on to um, to say the um, the outline, you know, the first, second, third, all the way to ten commandments. We always don't read those first two verses, but they're the most important mm. because it says before Israel ever kept the commandments, God saved them first mm. by grace. You've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves; it's the gift of God. They have to have mm. faith to step out and and go um, with Moses out of Egypt into the wilderness, right? That was faith. Mm. God saved them. They had faith, and then, okay, here's how I want you to behave. We are God's, God's workmanship created to do good works. So that's a very important one. In fact, it was kept in a box called the Ark of the Covenant, and, uh, and so that was really important. But the promise of Jeremiah 31 is that one day God would make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And that takes us all the way down uh, to the story of the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. And as Jesus is gathering uh, with his uh, friends, at the Last Supper, he says something really important in Luke chapter 22, verse 20. Would you like to read it for me, please? Sure. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Mm. Now, all the way through the history, we've, we've read about all of these signs that God wanted to ratify his personal relationship uh, with his people, in a, this love relationship, you know. And... Uh, what uh, the, the prediction of Jeremiah is that I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel. I'm going to write my laws on their heart. You know, that I'm not going to do away with the Ten Commandments. I'm going to write it on their hearts and I'm going to help them to live it in love in a new way. And so when Jesus stood at the Last Supper and he, and he handed out that cup uh, that we now uh, practice today as communion, and he said, this is a new covenant in my blood. This is the time that has come uh, when I'm going to ratify this relationship, that I'm going to become like those cloven animals in Abraham's day, that I'm going to take the arrow of the bow like in Noah's day. This is the moment that I'm going to um, to show uh, how one lives the Ten Commandments, that uh, I'm going to show how to cut away the unclean, uh, which is what circumcision pointed forward to. And he went to the cross and he died for our sins, mm. the new covenant. Uh, and this becomes the ultimate sign uh, of the covenant and covenant relationship uh, with us in his love. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Love, love. That is um, 
I don't know. Like when I understand um our relationship with God, it's out of love. Mm. You know the way he's um um like um outlined the covenant, it's uh, out of love and because he loves us with unconditional love, he gives us free choice like um yeah. He doesn't seek to hold us in one place or like manipulate or our thoughts or our mm. decisions. It's like I'm telling you this and this is what I'm offering, but you choose what do you want. Um yeah, thank you for that, Paul, for sharing. Um No, it's a pleasure. Daniel it's my, one of my favorite subjects in the whole world. So it's nice to talk about. So we can do this again for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um yeah, you've pointed out some important um points that I have never even thought of, you know. I never thought of even like this scripture passage that we read before the Luke um, 22. The way you looked at it, I never thought that way. And it's just impressive. God saved us. He mentions that before he tells us what to do um, or what he expects of us. Um, I hope you've been blessed with today's sharing and wherever you are, I hope you enjoyed um, the rest of your day and um, to claim today's book offer text connect nine two zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one and the book is in the light of god's love by ty gibson don't forget to join us next week again we have an exciting program for you so remember to tune in we're going out with this song called let us come forward by ncypcd mm-hmm.